Thank you very much, uh, Brother Hicks. Uh, first of all, I'll take some few minutes to thank uh, each and everyone, and for, especially for the old union, for giving me that opportunity to come over to be able to present a topic on biblical theology of mission. But first of all, I want to say it wasn't very easy. Uh, I'd been sick for some time, and oh, we had talked with Brother James Jones, and we decided because of COVID, you're not going to, I was not going to be able to come over. And uh, that was uh, very convincing. And uh, two weeks later, Brother Hicks called me, and he said, well, uh, the old union and uh, spraying that uh, you come over to be able to present a topic. And that was really a sad moment for me because I was wondering what <laughs> really could I be able to present. But after prayer, prayers uh, for some times, the Lord gave me a topic and I was so thankful. And therefore, I want to be very happy and uh, thankful for the old union to, it's an honor, but an honor with pain that I accepted to be able to present this. So I ask you please to pray for me as I try to uh, be able to speak on this topic. Well, I know that all of us are here because of mission and a mission that was begun by God himself and uh, is uh, something that continues until Christ comes back. So thank you very much for your attention. Um, we are ready to begin. Uh, the topic is the biblical theology of mission. And I want to say that biblical theology of mission, when we talk about biblical, we are talking about scripturally based uh, missions because we have very many missions that are going all over the world. And uh, you have to ask yourself, are they really biblical? Are they scriptural? We have Muslims going all over the world. We have uh, uh, different religions spreading their, their doctrines. But they are not scriptural because they are not uh, biblically based. Uh, somebody by the name G.F. Wisdom, uh, while contending for the, Bibli for the Bible, he says that the Bible is not a book of theology as such, but a record of theology in mission, God in action on behalf of, sal on behalf of salvation of mankind. He said the, that the Bible, it's, uh, the Bible in its totality ascribed only one intention to God, to save mankind. So whenever we read the Bible, you're not reading anything else but the dealings of God, how God in time uh, brought this and uh, tried to make sure that the, the mankind would be saved. And this was not an afterthought. Amen. That God, in his, he knew that man would sin and therefore brought up a plan of how mankind could be saved. And that could only be done through mission. And this mission... Uh, Somebody by the name Peter W. Uh, George W. Peters said that the Bible must be interpreted 
Christocentrically because, because Christ is the center of revelation and also the key to its understanding. Amen. But for us to understand the Bible, we must first of all think or uh, view Christ because anything else, the Bible is centered on Christ. Amen. If there is anything else you want to read uh, in the Bible, uh, there are some people uh, in our uh, area, especially in Kenya, whereby they don't want to be called theologians because theologians, uh, the word theology, uh, theo means God, and logi comes from the word logics, which means the study of God. And therefore, there are some so-called theologians who have gone to the Bible, trying to study God in, so that they can uh, disapprove God. And therefore, they have ended up being atheists. Uh, but there are people who study the Bible so that they can understand more about God dealing, dealings and how he moved and continued to do this work of mission. And therefore, it's not bad to be, though it's not really a, a title, but most anybody that reads the Bible is a theologian. Uh, and therefore, uh, I've used two terms here. Two terms are used in this subject. They say it's the mission and mission. In fact, when I, 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 uh, I wrote my, uh, my, to Brother Hicks, he, tried, he asked me, are you going to talk about missions? We are going to talk about mission. But I want to take this opportunity to de- describe the terms that I'm talking about here. The terms that are used uh, theologically, the term mission and missions are not used in plural terms. Uh, neither are they synonyms. Mission in this term is considered as an absolute biblical assignment of the church of Christ. And this includes the upward, the inward, and the outward ministry of the church. That means uh, the buildings, the, uh, those who are in missions that are building the churches, there are those who are teaching, those who are giving medical assistance, and all activities that, that the missionaries do in mission. Uh, and therefore, uh, mission, missions is specialized term meaning the commissioning or sending forth of authorized person beyond the borders of the New Testament church and high immediate gospel influence to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to win converts from other faith or non-faith. Uh, to Jesus Christ. Simply, uh, mission simply means evangelizing or reaching out for the lost. When we do missions, we do also, mostly we evangelize, but missions is an overall work that we do. So the survey of biblical, uh, the survey of biblical basis for the worldwide mission of the church leads to a conclusion that the only one primary basis of mission is the triune God himself in his love and com- com- compassion for the world. And that we find in the book of John chapter 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that is the, the basis of mission. Ultimately, the mission of the church finds its source only in the heart of God. Somebody by the name Van uh, Denberg in 1956, he said, the love of God, the Father, incarnation 
of his son and sending of his spirit provides the origin and the motive, of, motive force of all the missionary activities. And therefore he says mission must be and is a mission day, which means the triune, uh, it might, mission of triune God, triune God, or in its mission, or if there is not a mission of triune God, that means the Trinity. If it's not a mission of triune God, then it's no longer a mission. And he goes ahead to say, it is through Christ, the Son of God, that the people from all over the world are able to come in the Spirit into the presence of the Father. And that one is echoed in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. The mission of God comes through the coming of the King in in the name of the Father, who sends him, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, who fills him. Uh, the question is asked, does that include the church? The answer is that no mission is, in every real sense, a mission, ecclesia, or a, a church, unless the mission is founded on the church. The mission in itself is called mission de triune, which means it must be of the church. If it is out of the church, it's not the mission that is scriptural. Uh, Therefore, it means uh, the sending God who sends his son also sends his church. Mission finds its supreme expression in the son who by his redemptive and transforming incarnation founded a visible agency of salvation, which is the church. The church is his people called out of the world, placed in the world, and sent to the world. It is sent to the world with a kingdom message of reconciliation between God and people and people themselves. The very spring of its action being the love of Christ for the world that we find in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Therefore, the missionary obligation of the church becomes a normal relation of each disciple to his or her Lord. By acknowledging the Trinitarian basis of the primary reason for it, its worldwide mission, the church glorifies God in its mission. There may be more than one biblical motive for the worldwide mission of the church, but there is only one biblical basis for the mission that is It is God in mission. From the beginning to the end, the New Testament is a book of mission. It owes its very existence to the missionary work of the early church, early Christian churches, both Jews and Hellenistics. The gospel are, as it were, living records of missionaries preaching and the epistles are not, are not so much some form of missionary apologetics. That means it's not a kind of, kind of a defense. It's not written to defend a missionary. But it's a, it's a book that talks about mission. Uh, as, as they are authentic and actual instrument of mission work. What I mean is that 
the, whatever we read in the Bible is not written to defend anybody in the mission, but it's written to tell us how God was involved in the mission to make sure that mankind was reached for, uh, with the salvation uh, uh, message. Now, I want to talk about theologies of mission. Mission is the church crossing frontier to the world, witnessing to the kingdom of God. And the missiology is a theology of the church crossing frontier, and it reflects on every aspect of this crossing of the frontier. Uh, it affects, it's, you have to talk about social, political, and economic con- context in which the church crossing. Uh, because what I mean there is that when the ch- whenever the missionary is moving, the missionary must, be, uh, must have the idea of the social, uh, political, and economy, economical situation of the place where you are going. Otherwise, uh, you find yourself in, in trouble because uh, you may do things that, for example, uh, while I remember many years ago when I started preaching, and my ancestors were living nearby the hill, and they believed that all our tribesmen came from that hill, and that the God, God was living in that hill. And therefore, as missionaries came all over uh, Kenya, they said that they were coming, they were bringing God. And my grandparent refused that the missionaries were not bringing God because they say that God was there even before the missionary came. And therefore, for you to reach out those kind of people, you must use the uh, Paul's tactics that starting from known to unknown. Paul, when he found the Athenians having many gods, he did not say, he did not bring his God, but he said there's a God in here. Every God has a name. But there's one in between here that you, is not named. And this is the one that I've come to introduce to you. The people realized and they, they accepted Paul's message because Paul knew the background on which he was to plant the, the message. Therefore, there, also you need to have the religious context in which the church encounters in the frontier. Uh, if you don't know about the religion, if, for example, you are going to reach the Hindu, at least have some idea of what Hinduism means, have the idea of what Islamic means, have the idea of what, if you talk about atheists, what, the, what, what kind of people are they, so that you can begin, or you can be able to influence them, having the knowledge of what they are. You have to really know where is it that is ticking on their, on their side. The role and function of those common, commonly referred as missionary engaged in the mission, ministry of crossing frontier. There is a cross-cultural uh, communication. This we mean uh, whenever you get to a mission, uh, there's what we call culture shock. Uh, let me just give you, for example, uh, I had, uh, we have a, uh, a lady that came to Kenya and was helping us in school. A very good one was accepted by everybody in the community. Her name is Sister Ashley. And she was really doing very well. Every day she went to school, come, and these people loved him. And, and everything was going on all right. But one day she went to school and she was kind of having a problem. I wondered what was really wrong. Uh, and the husband was in the, in, the, uh, in the place where they work, and Ashley had to go back home because she got so much affected by what uh, happened. And I went to Thomas and asked, what happened? 
say, oh, there was a lady that talked bad to her, and Alice did not feel well about that. So I, I had to uh, wait and went to Ashley later and ask what was happening, only to realize there was a, a, a mad person who confronted her, and she thought that that person did not like her. And to her, everybody in that village needed to accept because she was, she was really involved in helping and uh, uh, trying to really help everybody. But this was a mad, a mad person, but Ashley was not, I did not have any idea that this person was a mad person. So she, to her, it's that the people in that place did not want her. And therefore, she felt so bad, she had to go home to pray and think about, am I going to be here or am I going to leave? But I followed up later to find out that a kind of a lady had gone mad, crazy, and therefore was just, uh, not only did she do that one to Ashley, but to everybody. And therefore, I had to tell her, this is what you call culture shock. You need to really understand what happens to the people. So uh, I was bringing that to tell you that there's a cross, cross-cultural communication process in a mission also. And there's agent of mission, which is a, uh, those people who are gathering and helping support the mission. The relationship between the mission and also the unity of the, of the church worldwide. Uh, I want to talk about what is a theology of mission. It is one of many and varied aspects of missiology which aims at addressing some of the fundamental questions regarding the mission of the church. And that those questions are, why do we do mission work? Why do you carry this religion to those people uh, rather than the other religions? What do we hope to achieve in the world through mission, missionary involvement? Are we interested only in soul, uh, saving soul for eternal damnation, or do we also aim at changing the structure, set a, uh, set a way in which the society is part? Most of the missionary work uh, that were done in, Ke- in Kenya and many other parts, missionaries came and they were not only involved in preaching the word of God, involved sometimes they could make road, they were involved in doing many other, uh, give relief, food, and many other things. And sometimes even they were able to to talk uh, uh, with the government to find out how they could help either build school to make sure the people at least uh, could be able to read their Bible because that was the starting point. How do we get the people to understand the Bible? So you will have to take them through to study uh, to how to know how to write and read so that you can be able to influence them or indoctrinate them. Uh, uh, yeah. So the theology of mission concerns itself with issues that are fundamental and crucially important to the life of the church. The theology of mission concerns itself with issues that are fundamental, fundamental and crucial, crucially important to the, cha- the life of the church. And as I say, those questions like mission, uh, what do you want to achieve as you go out for mission? Is it only preaching and saving the souls? Or do you want to build the church after they have been saved? Now, what do you do? Do you leave them there? Or do you find a pastor? Or what do you want to do? That's why uh, theology of mission is very important. What are we going to do? After we preach, the people have got saved. Then what? Those are the things that must be discussed as we go, uh, get, as we get ready for, 
for mission work. The need for theology of mission. In the Old Testament, the emphasis is on God as creator, ruler of the universe, and the God of covenant with Israel. Rather than really Gentiles are not involved uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. The mission is on holy, what we call centripetal, that is only uh, among the, the Jews, rather than uh, out. They don't go out. The focus is on the people of Israel and the nation. You remember Jesus told them, you go out only to the lost Israelites. Don't go to the other parts. So at first it was only the Jews. But then later it has to be expanded. Uh, the mission as calling of the church is far more explicit in the New Testament than the Old Testament. Though the writing of the New Testament span over a few years, the New Testament thus has, we see a lot of things that needs to be done as we continue to look at the mission. It deals almost exclusively with the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Missionary activities of apostles, particularly Paul, during the very early stages, we see Paul preaching, and we, have, uh, we find out that uh, the social, political context in which the New Testament is, is, uh, is written, we find that the people were homogeneous versus uh, Old Testament. The Roman emperor was the ruler, and then we find that the Greek was a common language for everybody. So uh, the lingua franca was Greek. That was, if you were to go there, then you have to really know what is the language. You are going for a mission. What is the language of those people? Is it Kiswahili? Is it Greek? What type, what is the language they have? How do the people behave? There is what we call preconceived mindset, where people think, somebody asked me, uh, do, do people walk, do they have clothes? What, <laughs> you see, there are questions that people ask themselves. Uh, do the people, who am I going to meet, like Brother Hicks when he first came to Kenya? Uh, I didn't know that he was suffering. He, ha- he said almost one week without eating anything because somebody told him the Kenyan food would not fit so good. So <laughs> I, I, was, I took him all around from Kenya, Nairobi to Kisumu and all this time and he was only drinking only uh, coke. And it was because he, did not, he, he was scared of Kenyan food. But therefore, you need to ask, what type of food do they eat? And can I eat them? And if you go to the wrong person, you'll be in trouble. But <laughs> all this means that, that whenever the church in, church in mission moves to, in, to a different cultural and social cultural context, it cannot appeal the New Testament text in a simple and direct way. It has to interpret the message for its own time and context. And this applies particularly to us today. There is an enormous distance, history, historical, and otherwise separating us from the New Testament in its original form. Fundamental changes have occurred in understanding and experience of social society, politics, economics, cultural, and all alike. There are a lot of things that have changed. We cannot therefore apply those early statements on one-to-one basis to our realities today. Somebody <laughs> wanted to go and uh, he said, well, I need to apply this. 
like, for example, the others, whereby they cannot eat pork because they have been told from the time you know, that a pork is a dirty animal, and they don't, they don't understand why the Israelites were, not, were uh, told not to eat pork. So you have to really learn and to be able, you cannot just come and say, okay, today I have come as a missionary, people must eat pork. But you have to understand them and begin to teach them why it's, what, what the difference. First of all, you must to, uh, bear with them as you teach them. What you, what, you don't force, because if you force, you'll be, you'll be not accepted by the culture. They will see this is a, a, a vagabond, somebody that is not needed in the society. Uh, I want to also say, time is still running so quickly. <laughs> I want to, uh, that the need, the, there's a need for the theology of mission because in itself as well as the Old Testament, we find different understanding of mission side by side. This can be seen clearly in the different emphasis of each four gospel, especially for the synoptic, synoptic gospels. In Matthews, uh, mission is basically mean, uh, means building up of a community of a true disciples. And we find that in Mark, there is emphasis throughout in the emphasis of the missionary. The, uh, Mark talks about fishers of men to his Lord. And Luke regards mission as a witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we bring all these together, we find that uh, John defines mission as a proclaiming the forgiveness of, of sin. And in, as a whole, uh, when we look at the book of, of uh, John, he regards mission in the context of glorification. The fourfold sending in John serves as a mission, a mission of transfiguration, a mission that gives glory to God. Uh, John the Baptist is sent by God to testify about Jesus. And then Jesus is sent by the Father to testify about the Father and to do the work, the work of the Father. And the Spirit is sent by both the Father and Jesus to give testimony about Jesus. And the disciples are sent by Jesus to do as he did. So we note that all this put into the context, the mission in which not only one individual being transformed, but in fact the whole cosmos. In conclusion, the rest of the, of the New Testament follows a similar uh, pattern. They are describing the Christ event in which it, would be, uh, it will be sensible to the audience. Uh, I want to uh, talk about Christology of Christ. Before I do that, I want God's mission and Christ. We see that God's mission is started in Christ. Uh, the promise to Abraham is reiterated in the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, uh, which tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham and ahead of time in Genesis 12, uh, 3, saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. In Romans 4, 13, Paul names Abraham as the, as the heir of the world. That the promise is obviously a spiritual one. Uh, be Abraham promised to uh, fulfill is fulfilled in, in Christ. The energy of Jesus is recorded in Matthew, traces the beginning to Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, 16, the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed, not seeds, he does not say that the seed is referring to many, but rather to one, and that one is Christ. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, 29 tells us that if we are in Christ, we are Abraham's offspring. 
Here, according to the promise given to Abraham, it is Christ that all has passed, has passed and everything converges in. Uh, I want to say that Jesus Christ is a perfect missionary model. Uh, his motivation was love for the Father and mankind. He brought salvation to the lost world. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God, called people to repentance. His kingdom was not only for the Jews, but for all, for all the Gentiles. In Matthew chapter, uh, verse, chapter 8, verse 11, he says, I say to you that many shall come from east to west and recline at the table of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of Abraham, a kingdom of heaven. Many of his parables were for was to express the purpose of communicating that which will happen, who would be brought into the kingdom as the unworthy Israelite who refused to be to accept Jesus would be cast out. Even though he admitted that he came for Israel, he ministered to both the Jews and even the Gentile. Jesus is not only uh, the perfect missionary model, but also uh, a master trainer. He taught his disciples how to take his place by passing on his heart and his vision, uh, of, uh, his, uh, by observing and associating the experiences he expressed, his lifestyle, and his manner of relating to people and to his father. His assignment and teaching were the clearest way that he related his mission and expectation for their ministry after he had gone to the father. Uh, because of time, I want to... <laughs> and to uh, Jesus is also the Lord of mission. He died and rose again so that all men might live. He ascended to the Father where he received authority and power and glory. He delivered his, his followers what has become known as the Great Commission. He sent the this Holy Spirit to give power and authority for witness. All his assured continuation and acceleration of God's mission in the world. God's mission and the church. Abraham and the church. The true descendant of Abraham are the true recipient of the promise of God. The church continues to fulfill the promise to Abraham in Christ as a heir and of the promise as we read the book of Galatians. The great commission. Christ gave his church this great commission. And this Great Commission is as a matching order. It focuses on the missionary nature of the church. And Jesus Christ gave a blueprint missionary task. The task is valid because Christ's authority and the power over the world. And it has been handed over down to the church by Christ, who is the head and authority in the church. Amen. The Great Commission does not make Christians, Christianity a missionary uh, religion because God is, a, is a, go, a missionary God and his task of redeeming man has been on his heart since the fall. 
The sending out of the church was only in keeping with what they had already known about God and his mission of redeeming man to himself. What is the motivation of doing a mission in the early church? At first, the motivation, uh, the motivation of the early church to the mission, the impact was having, they wanted Jesus to be known. They had the zeal. They had the, the motivation was that the indwelling Holy Spirit that was in the disciples made them to go out, to reach out to the lost and dying world because the spirit in them was moving in, inside their heart and was helping them to, to continue doing that mission. And therefore, if we are filled with the Spirit, we'll have to do and we'll have to obey the command of God to go all over the world. Uh, the church, I want to say, I want to talk on uh, very much because of time. I have this. Yeah, I want to talk about Christology of mission. This acknowledges that Christ is the source. When we talk about Christology of, of mission, we are talking about who is involved and who do we please and how do we obey the order as a church and as individual members of the church. Are we going to obey or are you going to disobey our master? And that's why we want to see his life. How is, does his life impact on this mission? And therefore, we look at this. Therefore, Christology of mission acknowledges the source and the way, the heart and the soul, and the ground and the goal of mission. Therefore, the Christology of mission should involve the six major events in the career and life of Jesus Christ. They have been what we call missionary dimension. First of all is incarnation, which is the model of mission. And then we have the cross, which is the cost of the mission. And then we have the resurrection, which is the mandate of the mission. And we have the exaltation, which is the incentive. And then we have Holy Spirit, which is the gift for doing the mission. We have parousia, which is the agency of mission. Uh, uh, Jesus coming back. We are doing mission because Jesus is coming back. He says, you go into the world until I come back. Mission must continue. And therefore, if that is the agency, why do we get involved in the mission? Because we are waiting for the Lord, our Lord and Savior. He's coming back. And while we are waiting, we are to be busy doing the work that he has already given unto us. That is reaching the world. And therefore, we cannot afford to be seated somewhere down saying, oh, we just wait idle. We are waiting as we work. I want now to talk specifically on this. Incarnation of Christ is the model for mission. Cultural identification, this is the most spectacular thing that I want you to understand. That the ministry of mankind, Jesus did not just stay in heaven. He entered our world. He emptied himself, took over our nature. He humbled himself and made friends with even social outcasts. Because that is what incarnation did to Jesus. And Jesus wanted to be an example. That's why I'm saying is the model. If you want to do mission, you have to look at Christ. Christ must become your mentor. How did he do it? How did he approach? He approached the elite. He approached those downcast. Everybody. And everybody said Jesus was the, was 
the, uh, the very best teacher that ever lived. He taught not, not like the Pharisees. He taught not like Pharisees. He did not use big terms so that the, his audience could be confused, but he used simple terms that after he had finished, they say, oh, that was a powerful message. It spoke to our needs. Uh, and I say the incarnation affected Jesus phys- both physically, mentally, and socially. Uh, uh, somebody by the name Donoval said that while referring to the mission work in Tanzania, commented that he commented that a missionary is a social martyr. You see, when you go or come, you, you, you are a social, a social martyr. You die. You don't come to, uh, to Kenya and want to live like an American. You'll have to come and die American life and begin to take up the Kenyan life. If, they, are, if they, they dance, you want to, you don't say, I don't like dancing, but you want to, to see, how do you become one of them so that they don't see you as somebody outside? You want to be part of them so that they can say, okay, now you can come, you can talk to us. Now you have become one of us. So Jesus became one of us first so that he can reach us. The, the, cross of, the cross of Christ is called the cost of mission. Suffering, Isaiah 50, chapter 50. Isaiah portrayed Jesus as a suffering servant. Uh, Webster asserted that every form of mission leads to some form of cross. The very shape of mission is cruciform. We can understand mission only in terms of the cross. John chapter 12 says, Jesus himself taught and exhibited this principle and extended it to his followers. Paul applied the same principle to himself. The church needs to keep returning for inspiration and direction to the Christology basis of Christ. Let me talk about resurrection, the mandate for mission. Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, and Matthew says, Great commission is this risen Lord who gave his great commission, the resurrection initiated what we call centrifugal missionary activity. You see, first of all, the mission was only done in, the only to the Jews, but later it was supposed to be done outside. So Jesus loved the world. God loved the world, and Jesus had to leave his comfort zone from heaven. He came here. And we see his resurrection was really a very important thing. He came out. The disciple went out and brought in the new converts. And also we have exaltation, which I said is the incentive of mission. Why, what, is, what is the incentive of doing mission? Because you want to exalt Christ. The reason why we stand every time, you don't want you to exalt yourself. You want to exalt Christ. You don't want to uplift your church. You want to uplift Jesus. Uh. Paul once said that if I, have to be, uh, if I have to be proud, then it's because of Christ. Uh, it is personally, it's personality of Christ which exalts. The motivation is that we go out with jealousy for the glory of Christ. The Holy Spirit, which is the gift, we are not going alone. We go with the gift that God and through Jesus has provided. This is the power of mission. William Temple made the following observation, saying, no one can be indwelt with 
or by the Spirit of God and keep the Spirit to himself. Where the Spirit is, he flows forth. If there is no flowing forth, he's not there. Evangelism is impossible without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to endure temptation. The fact that we encounter spiritual warfare shows that we need the Holy Spirit to help us fight it, fight out in the evangelism. The Holy Spirit is the chief witness. Without it, without her, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot witness. Our witness will be fertile. Uh, we take the words spoken in human weakness and carry them to the power of, in the mind and conscience, and that will, the hearers will get it. Uh, lastly, the parousia of Christ, which is the coming of Christ back to the world, which I call the agency of mission. I say we have to be involved urgently to make sure that we keep ourselves busy until he comes back. By not keeping yourself busy, you're not helping us to, you're not helping the coming back of Christ very quickly. The earth, not the sky, should be your preoccupation. The divine program made by, is made plain. Jesus returns to the Father, that's a session. The Spirit comes through the Pentecost. Church goes to make disciples. Jesus returns let me now speak brief, uh, very quickly on the Great Commission. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus brought his disciples together and says, All powers have been given to me. And he says, All power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go, Great Commission, to make disciples. The great, and he says that you are not going by yourself. You are going with him, and he says, Surely I will be with you until the end of the world. The Great Commission is sandwiched between the authority of Christ and the assurance. The main thrust of the idea is to go and make disciples. As the Father has sent me, Jesus say, uh, said in the, in, the, in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 21, he says, As the Father sent me, so send I you also. The central purpose of Great Commission is to go and make disciples. Going, baptizing, and teaching all to obey whatever he has commanded us. Where do evangelism, where do, do we do evangelism? The Great Commission, Great Commission begins at the church, local church. It goes, local church is, the Judea, is Jerusalem, where it starts. And then after it, uh, it starts, it goes out to Judea, which is your neighbor. And then the neighboring, then you go to Samaria, then to the uttermost part of the world. It must start in where we are. We must evangelize the places where we live. Then we have to go out to our neighbors. And then after our neighbors have received, then we have to go to the fathers. We cannot be uh, in one place forever. We must move. And that's the name Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, I want to say this. Uh, someone made this statement in defense, and as he had the, his feeling on evangelism, say that the Christian religion, this is what somebody said. He said that the Christian religion is guilty of intolerance, 
arrogance, and violence. Because how can one religion claim a monopoly of truth? Are there not many ways to God? What right have we to interfere with other people's privacy or attempt to impose our view on them? Let's rather mind our own business and devotedly hope that other people would mind theirs. How should we respond to that criticism? And very quickly, I want to say that we, ca- we, we cannot wait because others are going to mind. We, this mission is our business. Amen. That's what we must do. Because our God, the God of Old Testament, is a missionary God. And secondly, we must also say that we believe that our God is a missionary God. And thirdly, that the, the Holy Spirit of the Acts of the Apostle is a missionary spirit. And that the book of Acts is strictly a missionary book. The, and the church of the letters in the mission, is a missionary church. And therefore, the climax of the revelation, the climax of the revelation is a missionary climax. And lastly, Religion of the Bible is a missionary religion. Mission arises from the heart of God himself and is communicated from his heart to ours. Mission is a global outreach. It's a global outreach of the global people of a global God. And lastly, I want to say this. If then we have resisted the missionary dimension of our church, We cannot claim to be involved in the church, in Christ, in God, or in heaven. If we resist this mandate, this call, this this parousia, the agency, we can therefore not claim to be involved in the church, or in Christ, or in God, or in heaven. We must it is our time. It is our time, as the name suggests. I mean, the Lord bless you and thank you very much for listening.